0: Hello, heart and soul listeners. I'm Pastor Greg Lundsted, and I'm so glad that I can share my series from Equipping the Saints with you. I pray that God will grow each and every one of you in Christ through this series. Now, this is a difficult portion to translate, but the terms settings spoke of really a timbrel or a tambourine. Your, your NASB Probably doesn't translate the best, but they say, or, tambourine there. You'll see that. And then the term sockets really spoke of groove or a hole, which spoke of like a flute in a sense. And the NASB will also say there, or, flute. These speak of musical abilities and instruments. Now I prefer the NASB, but I think the New King James does a better job here. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes. I believe this is referring to his musical capability that God created in Lucifer before, and it was before he fell. Now, there are those who have a theology that say Lucifer is probably the worship leader in heaven. That's possible. The Bible doesn't say that. Certainly possible, but we need to be careful not to go where the Bible doesn't say. We don't want to add to it or subtract from it. But we do know that the morning stars and the sons of God, that they would sing together. Turn to Job, Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. And this is where the Lord God is saying to Job, Hey, you think you have a right to defend yourself and me to justify myself? Hey, where were you when I did all this? Right? He's going to say, Hey, you're not God. I am. That's basically what he's going to say. And Job's going to repent, retract. But in that, this is what the Lord says. Job 38 verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you, Job? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements, since you know, he's being sarcastic there, the Lord is, right? Or who stretched out a line on it? Or where were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Notice this. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Singing. If you don't like singing unto God right now, you're going to have a problem later on, which means you probably have a problem already. So then we gain a little bit concerning our enemy, Satan, from his initial creation. Obviously, we know that he was created to certainly reflect God's glory. And we're going to see later on he's a covering chair. We're going to see later on what we saw about his ability for music. And we need to be careful and not be ignorant concerning our enemy. We're not ignorant of his schemes. You see, he actually mimics and he is a counterfeit, and he disguises himself as an angel of light. The Apostle Paul, in addressing false apostles, says this, and he brings in the one behind them in a sense. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, I'll read this for you. For such men are false apostles. They're bad guys out in the church. Deceitful workers, workers of deceit disguising themselves as apostles of Christ and no wonder or literally don't marvel because Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising his servants disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end shall be according to their deeds. The reality is he disguises himself and I believe one of the ways he does. So there's many different ways is through music in the church. A lot of the so-called worship music is not from God at all. It's satanic. And what do I mean by it? It is earthly, natural, and demonic. It has to do with man's wisdom about God, man's feelings about God, rather than what God has revealed about himself being sung. And Satan is a master counterfeiter. And music fits right into his initial creation, but now it has been corrupted so obviously he was corrupted by his wisdom and splendor, but certainly he was created to sing and praise in that sense. So back to our text. Notice this beauty and capability and wisdom and praise came about on the day he was created. Middle verse 12. Thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone. I talked about that. And then he says here. All this stuff, and I'll read it, actually, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, the emerald, the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets, was in you on the day that you were created. They were prepared. He was created, and he is a created being. He is like, in a sense, the Prince of Tyre, a man. Now, Satan's not a man, but he's a created being, just like the Prince of Tyre was a created being as a man, Satan as an angel. Satan is not God. Lucifer yet was created perfect without sin by the Lord, Colossians chapter 1. Now notice in our passage we have his grand privileges. Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. Now in this short statement we can observe a lot about Satan. First of all, he was a cherub and is a cherub. You say, well, what is a cherub? Well, cherubim are a type of living angelic spirit being. That God created. They're seen, as I shared earlier, in Genesis chapter 3, 24, guarding the Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life with flaming swords to keep fallen man, Adam and Eve, out. We see in chapter 3 of Genesis that God stationed the cherubim there. In Exodus, we see the likeness of two cherubim being made, their faces and their wings covering the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, their likeness being made. Psalm 18, verse 10, the Lord has spoken of riding on a cherub. As I shared earlier in the beginning of this service, the Lord is enthroned, Psalm 99, above the cherubim. Now that lines up with the beginning of Ezekiel, where we see those cherubim, and the Lord is above them, enthroned above them. We see the living creatures with four faces, four wings, with the wheels within a wheel, and the expanse above them, where was the very throne of the Lord. And these cherubim reflected the Lord's glory. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 6, they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is to come. Indeed, in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 5, they are called the cherubim of glory. Those who were over the ark, in a sense, and ultimately that behind that. And so in our text, we see that Lucifer here is the anointed cherub who covers. The anointed speaks of a special position. The special cherub, in a sense. A special position, the anointed cherub who covers. The term cover speaks of covering, obviously. It speaks of hedging or guarding something. It's the special privilege. He was the anointed cherub who covers. And then we see where God placed him. So in some sense, he had a place to cover and guard in the very presence of God. Middle of verse 14, and I placed you there. Satan didn't do it. God did it. He put him where he was. He created him. Okay? You were on the holy mountain of God. Now, I believe grammatically you could say this phrase this way if you translate it literally from the Hebrew. And I set you in the holy mountain of God. That's probably a better translation. Now, certainly Jerusalem was spoken of throughout scriptures as his holy mountain. But yet we see in Psalm 3, God answers from his holy mountain. That's speaking of heaven. Psalm 3, verse 2, many are saying in my soul, David writes, there is no salvation for him in God, Selah, but thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah, speaking of his dwelling place in heaven. So then, God placed him there, and he created him, established him, placed him in a place of privilege. And then notice the latter portion here. It's kind of difficult to interpret. He says in the latter portion of verse 14, you walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Now, this could be referring to the coals of fire between the cherubim in chapter 1, chapter 10, with Ezekiel possibly. But what we do know is that fire usually symbolizes God's purifying judgment. And the idea is that Lucifer could walk in the midst of this. He was Blameless, as we'll say initially, verse fifteen, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. So then, Lucifer was created perfect. He was created perfect in wisdom, perfect in beauty. He was covered with jewels reflecting God's glory. He was in Eden. He was created to praise God perfectly in song. He was the anointed cherub who covers on the holy mountain and amidst the stones of fire. He was blameless in all his ways. Now God wants us to understand this. And if you were paying attention, you will notice those descriptions were all in the past tense. You were. You were. Not he is, but you were. Now, have you ever wondered, did God create evil? Is he responsible for evil? No, he's not. The scripture makes it clear that in the day he was created, Lucifer is created. He was perfect. He was blameless in all his ways. And yet God, as we will see, created him with the capacity to choose. He was given a will. And without a will, no one can choose to love and worship and obey. And so don't blame God for evil. We see Satan is behind it. He is the father of evil. So what can we apply here? Well, first of all, again, don't blame God for evil. It's not his fault. It's Satan, as we're going to see. And God has allowed it. He will even use that evil and did and is using that evil to accomplish his purposes, although it's not justified. Secondly, we need to know how to respond to our enemy. We stand against, in Christ, the most powerful created being. These people that go out there and try to rebuke Satan and stuff like that, even Michael the archangel didn't dare pronounce a railing judgment against Satan. Don't get caught up in that charismatic, satanic rigmarole. Christ is greater than Satan, not us. And we need to be very careful. We need to therefore submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from us. James. We need to recognize that Satan prowls about like a roaring lion. First Peter chapter five, but resist him firm in the faith. We need to recognize that we're to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. We're to put on the full armor of God, which is the truth of what God has done for us. And then holding the shield of faith, trusting in him and the sword of the word, believing what he has said, praying, then we are able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We need to recognize the reality that this foe is the greatest of foes, but yet our God is way above him he is far above every power authority and dominion far above and he gave his life for us and he loves us and the scripture says greater is he who is in you than he speaking of satan who is in the world greater is christ in you than he who is in the world so with such a powerful foe, we need to completely walk by faith and make sure we're confessing sin because Satan uses our sin against us very effectively. As Paul would say, we're not ignorant of the schemes of the devil. We know from Ephesians chapter 4 that we are to not give Satan a place. We're to be angry but not sin. We're not to let the sun go down on our anger or even par I guess, us alongside anger, lest we give Satan a place. We're to be forgiving like 2 Corinthians. Otherwise, we give Satan a place. We give an advantage. We need to trust the Lord and walk in him. Otherwise, we are in a dangerous position as believers. We are vulnerable then to his attacks. We need to submit to God and resist the devil. We need to confess sin. We need to humble ourselves before his mighty hand. Or we are then vulnerable to the attacks. So what happened? What happened? This... Perfect being, this created being that is the anointed cherub who covers beautiful, perfect in wisdom and beauty and praise for the Lord. Take a look back in our passage. Look at verse 15. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created. And then look at this. Until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade... It's interesting, kind of the same terminology as the leader of Tyre, the abundance of his trade, which was making money and giving himself glory, right? So abundance of your trade, he says here, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I've cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. By the multitude of your iniquities in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you. I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become terrified, and you will be no more. So what's the cause of his fall? Well, he was blameless until unrighteousness was found. And we see here, verse 16, By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. What's the abundance of his trade? I believe it's that he was beautiful and wisdom and splendor, and by those things he exalted himself, as we will see, And thus we have the result of pride, which is you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Notice in verse 15, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Look at verse 17 actually now. Verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. We see Satan's heart was lifted up in pride because of his beauty. It was corrupted by reason of his splendor, his wisdom, those things that God had created him with. He was corrupted, was prideful. The attributes that were to give God glory, Satan chose instead to elevate his own heart and give himself glory. And that's the sin of Satan, it's pride. This ought to be a stark warning to us, as we see how the king of Tyre in the beginning of this message, pride comes before fall. If we give ourselves credit for anything, we are prideful. It is God that gives us the ability to do what we do. Satan was lifted up. You can't take a breath without God approving that. Your heart wouldn't beat one beat without God allowing that to happen. For believers, if God has gifted you, that very same area of gifting could become an area of stumbling and sin. God made Satan beautiful, God made him wise, but Satan was corrupted by reason of his splendor. There'll be temptation to take credit, to fill your heart in pride and self-sufficiency, but that is of Satan. Rest in Christ's strength alone. Do not elevate yourself, but humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And a person who's thankful is doing that, is giving him the glory and the thanks. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's what God says. Take heed, you who stand, lest you fall. There's a lot of pride in Christians these days. It's just like Satan. And you wonder why your life's so messed up. Because Satan's got a foothold in your life. But if you confess your sins, you humble yourself, draw near to God, and resist the devil, he will flee from you. Well, with this in mind, we see that there's another passage also that it describes his fall. Turn to Isaiah chapter 14. And here, God is pronouncing judgment on Babylon and its king. And during this judgment, he addresses Satan. And we get a glimpse here, like Ezekiel, to Satan when he fell. Now, this passage is difficult because it fades in and out of the king of Babylon, but then ultimately to the force behind him. Kind of the same thing, but a little more difficult to interpret. But let's look at Isaiah. Chapter 14, verse 5. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of rulers, which used to strike the peoples in fury and unceasing strokes. Talking about Babylon being crushed, that's what's going to happen there. Which subdued nations in anger and restrained with unrestrained persecution. The whole rest worth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into shouts of joy. Even the cypress trees rejoice over you and the cedars of Lebanon saying, since you were laid low, no tree cutter has come against us. Sheol from beneath is excited over you to meet you when you come. And it arouses for you the spirits of the dead and all the leaders of the earth. And it raises all the kings of the nations from their thrones. Then they will respond and say to you, even you have been made as weak as us. you have become like us. Your pomp and the music of your harps have brought down to Sheol. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you, and worms are your covering. And then notice it points now clearly to speak of Satan at this point in verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven. That's not a man that's fallen from heaven. How you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, O son of the dawn. You have been cut down to earth, you who weakened the nations. He was, for a brief moment, speaking of the king of Babylon, but he moves to speak literally of the morning star, which is Lucifer. That's what that's translated from. The king of Babylon was not thrown from earth to heaven or vice versa. This is speaking of Satan. And notice what he says. But you said in your heart, and we're going to see five I wills. Thank